Welcome to the Chris Okamura podcast, Real Talk with Chris. Uh, we're super excited, aka Japanese Cowboy. We are on episode number four. For those viewers and listeners out there, we're excited. We've had the first three series here. We interviewed Shireen Duncan, amazing person, Dylan Danaka, Mike Blake last week. And today we even have a more special guest. Uh, we're excited to have on the show. Um, again, this to kind of preface what this is about. We're part of Team Freedom, EXP Realty. We're kind of just show, showcasing a lot of our top talented individuals within our group. And Ashley Wasson on, in Hawaii, in Kailua, happens to be a part of that amazing group. Tops the charts there with a lot of amazing talent and skill sets. And we are definitely showcasing her today. Um, so, yeah, this is what these this stream is about. And our idea for us to connect with other people, help those that are in the industry, whether you're real estate, mortgage, title, escrow, or just all in general entrepreneurial mindset. We have something for everybody, and that's designed to help add value to you. And this is what it's from. But it's coming directly from our amazing, amazing team called Team Freedom here at East Realty. So today's special guest, we're going to jump off with Ashley Wasson, an amazing friend and colleague. I've been, been extremely blessed to become friends with her, um, actually just through EXP, right? I mean, it's been probably three or four years that me and Ashley have been connected. And, and because of EXP, I've had a lot of amazing, talented friendships that started, and this is one of them. Um, so Ashley Wasson in Kailua, Hawaii. Is amazing today. Our title actually is talking about building and sustaining your business through culture because she tops the charts with culture and creating her amazing business model. So first and foremost, let's jump off with the show. We're excited today. Ashley Watson, welcome to the show. And uh, we're excited. We're excited to hear you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. I'd love to hear your story. You know, Hawaiians, we love telling story. So maybe give us a little story kind of version of your beginnings, uh, your journey and where you at today. And then, you know, we're going to throw a lot of that in the titles about culture because you're very good at that and developing in a dynamic culture. And it's been instrumental in building your business. So let's kind of hear your story and then we'll go deeper into the weeds on that. So welcome to the show, Ashley. Take Thank it away. Well, Chris, thank you. And thanks for providing so much opportunity. I mean, the classroom, the platform that you guys had started, like this last meeting that we went to on Tuesday, it was so good. Like the amount of talent we have in our Ohana, our EXP family is insane. Yeah. Like Crazy. I'm just so glad that you, you started this and that you started bringing everyone together because I do my company, my team meetings every Tuesday, but yours is at 8 a.m. Hawaii time. And it just set mine up so perfectly because I had a few of my agents jump on and it really helped just set the mentality and alignment. You didn't, they didn't have to have video on. They could drive here. I mean, I make them show up, but yeah, know, it was right? nice that they had that Zoom. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I know, right? I was just telling somebody the other day that kind of the default now is that no the camera, no camera, right? It's camera, no camera. And we can honestly be very flexible with that. I get it. Not everyone yeah. has face every day, but I'd say let's shine. So awesome. What was that speaker again, though? He was great. Uh, Kevin Kaufman out of Arizona. An amazing concept. Kevin and Fred, yeah. uh, their uh, 4610 was their team they built. And it's an amazing team in Arizona. They're actually, uh, shameless plug here, they were part of Gary Keller's top 100 team, Kevin and Fred, back in the day at KW. So they were up there. Everybody knows, listen on this podcast. If you're on the Gary Keller's top 100 team, yeah. you're doing some shit. You yeah, are that, doing I, I, I believe it. Yeah. Yes. And, and, he, and the funny thing about it is he's very humble. He's very basic. The guy never wears anything other than a black t-shirt and a Raiders hat. That's what he wears all the time. And that's, that's Kevin's uh, little ensemble. Um, so anyways, no, actually, yeah. I'm grateful that you're part of this crew too. And you add tremendous value to it as well. 
Um, so, yeah, love to hear your story, though, kind of like how you started in this whole thing with the industry of real estate or before real estate, what got you into real estate, what kind of pulled you into this industry. And maybe then we'll talk a little more about how you've used their culture to uh, align yourself with that through the way, through the process. Yeah, well, I'm sure no one's really like interested of my whole journey. But in brief recap, I am from New Hampshire, Massachusetts border. I mean, it takes like 15 minutes to go from Massachusetts to go right to Maine or left to New Hampshire. And so I kind of resided and worked in those three states. I moved around a lot. So when I was 17, I had um, kind of just got a little needed a change. And so I packed up my car and drove across country to California where I planted roots. Um, I just ironically moved on April 1st on April Fool's Day. <laughs> April Fool's Day. <laughs> just in case you wanted to kid yourself, right? You're like, I'm not actually leaving town. I'm just driving to McDonald's. I'll be back. <laughs> no, my family didn't believe me. So like, oh, I don't know, a few yeah. days later, like people just didn't there. Cause I was only, you know, I was young and mm -hmm. I, they were just like, okay, when are you coming back? And I was like, I'm not coming back. <laughs> Never. And they're like, you brought a trash bag. Your your car doesn't have a radio and your microwave is broken. And I packed it all. Um, and I went and I drove across country, planted roots. I had one of my closest friends. She was a Chinese linguist in Monterey Bay. And she sort of looked at some apartments for me. And I was a waitress. I because I started working really young and like since 14 years old at Dunkin Donuts. And then I was working waitressing jobs and I always had four or five jobs in school. So I was always saving money and I had a fives fund and that's how I afforded my first apartment was a fives fund from waitressing with my coins. So when I got there, I had enough for a deposit and first month's rent. And because I worked at Olive Garden and Longhorns and stuff in New Hampshire, I was able to transfer to California. And then when I turned 18, I started working in an insurance company and they're like, the day you turn 18, you just let us know and you have a job here. And I was like, okay, thanks. I don't know. What's insurance? I have no idea. Just insure my car. Yeah. Um, but it was cost you less insurance. So oh, if you're yeah, from California. Yep. Cost you less. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. They had a slogan, didn't they? They cost did. Cost insurance. Yeah. It's my team all the time. Okay. That's okay. Awesome. If you know it, did you have it? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. That was actually one of those afternoon shows when you watched all the uh, – Oprah Winfrey and Jerry Springer shows was the costulous commercials. Not that I watched Jerry Springer. That was the demographic. That was their demographic of people that were pulling in. Yeah. So okay. they were a non-preferred insurance company that focused on immigrants, DUIs, and <laughs> multiple traffic tickets. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it was none of those. None of the above. So I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when I turned 18, I, I started working there. I lived in California for about two years. And me and my best friend, we had this joke that one day we would live in a glass house in Hawaii and own Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> and, and now I don't eat meat, haven't in like 10 years, but uh, the dream of living in Hawaii, I guess, survived. Uh, we, She ended up actually leaving California and going and getting stationed again in Hawaii. And so she's like, you should come and visit. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, you know, I can't. The house I'm living in the police officer we're renting from, he stopped paying the mortgage and they came and they just put a foreclosure, 30 day notice to vacate. And he started coming in and removing the appliances. And oh, wow. some other things happened where I had lost my job. And I was like, I can't afford to like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she's like, then just come here if you don't have yeah. something else. And I was like, okay. 
Uh, sure. And then, Hawaii. Why not? A month later, I moved to Hawaii and I was so naive because I, I really didn't grow up with a lot of, you know, money. I was very, very loved. My dad is an amazing hard worker, blue collar electrician. He was a mechanic growing up. Like he's very, very stable. My mom, you know, she struggled a lot and she was on food stamps when I was young. And then she made her way out of that, which I'm so proud of her. And they both gave me such good, strong work ethic, but we didn't have a lot, you know, so traveling was never really in our cards. Like I never left. And that trip to California was like my big hurrah. And so moving to Hawaii, I was like, do they have roads? Yeah. <laughs> I was so naive. I was been like, there. It's embarrassing to say because um, it was just so culturally naive. But I got here. And then when I got here, I was looking at rentals. And when I was looking at rentals, the property manager, she said, you'd be a great realtor. You should get into it. And I was like, sure. I was a scuba diver. <laughs> I was like, well, I'll live on the beach and dive in the water or do this real estate thing, whatever that is. Um, and then I got into it and I lived in Haula. So if you're familiar with Oahu, Haula is the middle of the country where you don't really know anyone. Yeah. And um, that was really hard because I had no network and I was 20 years old. I had no network. I didn't know anybody, especially anybody I did meet. They certainly weren't in a position to buy a house and they were hippie free spirited kids. Mm -hmm. So um, I and I didn't I didn't have a company to train me. I didn't have, you know. I didn't think to go after mentorship. I didn't know to do that. I knew nothing about business. My family is not business minded. They're not money minded. So I was just kind of floating through and figuring it out. And that brokerage didn't work. I ended up moving to KW and I was at Keller Williams for seven or eight years before I moved to EXP a few years ago. Um, and in doing so, I failed forward a lot. There was a lot of learning lessons and I was a lone ranger, just always had been. I just like making whimsical decisions on my own without accountability. Um, and being in Haula was isolating and there wasn't, you know, a lot of community out there. So that's not how I got into real estate. But the one thing that has stuck with me throughout was I was never in it for the money. And when I, when she said, you should be a realtor, you should get your license. I, I didn't think, I didn't know realtors could make money. I didn't know the, the glass ceiling that it offered. I didn't, when I met with a client, when I talked to anybody, it was never like, Ooh, I'm going to get a commission off this. Ooh, I want to make this much. That was never my why. And I've always just been driven as a person just ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a people doctor during the week and animal doctor on the weekends and an outer space doctor on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> what a wide range that is. People, animals, outer space. You, you reach for the stars, girl. You definitely reach for the stars. I love it. I like to keep myself busy. And that <laughs> culture had led me to today, how I run my team. And I didn't even know that how far that would get me. I didn't realize that not looking for the money would result in me offering the best service to my clients and also the best mentorship to my team and my agents. Yeah. What? That's awesome. Well, I love that. I mean, first and foremost, I kind of want to go back real quick and talk about your move um, at the age you were at. I mean, before you were 18, I mean, you were younger than that. Like you said, you got your first job. Um, many people out there that are probably listening to this podcast may be in the same boat, right? I myself raised my hand. I was yeah. working. Actually, I lived on my own. I was on my own at 15. Um, you know, wild. it's crazy, right? We're on my own at 15 where, you know, and my girlfriend too, she started working at 12 or 13. She actually lied. 
Um, I can't say this. Yet. She actually lied to Starbucks and told her she was older and she wasn't. They hired her. So, but reality is she's always had this work ethic, right? That we would just work her. So like you, um, but you're moving and you're leaving your family. I mean, uprooting yourself, that takes a lot of courage. I mean, not everybody just kind of takes off on a whim and has zero idea what's ahead of them, you know? So I, I would think that, you know, this, this title we're talking about, about culture, culturally, you probably were not designed to be that individual, but yet you kind of conform to that person and look where you're right, where it's led to you today. I mean, if you were to like, look back in a lens of like, when you were 18 working at the insurance, it cost you less and thinking about where you're at today. I mean, you're very successful. I mean, as much as you are probably very humble, I know you very well. Actually, you're very humble. You're a person who not likes to brag and like, yeah, right. You never worry about the money. You're all about creating this great environment, this great experience for your clients. But my point in saying that and getting to this is that one, it took a lot of guts to take off and start your journey to get here. And I want to believe that a lot of that actually is what was very intricate about you creating a culture and be able to integrate it into your business today. Um, Cause that's kind of what I wanted to segue into is like, how are yeah. you, how did you use that culture? When did you first experience it? Like, okay, this is what I need to be doing. Like, this is going to be my key to success. Um, can you kind of maybe hit a little bit on that? Maybe it's like, when, when did that start? When did you yeah. see that coming about and when it, it came a part of your life? Well, to go, to go back, like my nature versus nurture, obviously mm -hmm. there's a bit of me naturally that I have a certain personality type where I'm self-driven that comes natural. Then I have my, my parents, right. They were, um, very, they had their nuances that sort of established driving me as well. Um, and then also, you know, the fact that I didn't have, I didn't have tons, you know, so I was happy with very little. Um, like I was talking to my mom this morning, actually. And I was like, I was at the Brent Gove event in Texas, you know, mm -hmm. I just love, yep. oh, I love his events. They're just so, it's so good to get off the rock and just be inspired by everyone is just talent at those events. It's just create everywhere you walk, you can bump into anyone and they're all just yep. big thinkers. Right. Um, and the guy was talking about like his, his Christmas and how they had a rough Christmas and they had, you know, their kids and they gave them 20 bucks each to go to the, pick out what they want at the Dollar Tree. Dollar store, yeah. Right. And I was just like, oh, I completely forgot. I just immediately had this wave of like, I had so many Dollar Tree Christmases. Like yeah. I, I remember my mom one time I had a step sibling. I had two step siblings I lived with and it was a very small apartment. And I remember them being kind of like disappointed or at least you could feel that. Like if you opened it up, it was like pencils or a small plastic ruler or, you know, Dollar Tree item things or a little diary. And I remember my mom just being like, I'm so sorry. Like she, you could tell she was just not defensive of like, you should be grateful, but just like broken, you know? And yeah. I was like, this is great. This is amazing. <laughs> trip. Like this is yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and she told me, she's like, yeah, you never cared about those things. Like you never, yeah. ever since you were just young. And so I think that blessing going through into real estate with, between the hard work and the not having that material desire was able to shape me when I became an agent to always look genuinely for the client's interests. Cause it didn't matter to me if it closed, it didn't matter to me what the compensation was. I'll never forget 
when I, when I had moved brokerages and I had got actual mentorship and I was actually part of company trainings and I was, you know, searching homes for somebody and I said, Ooh, which one, these are so apples to apples. Like how does someone choose it? And the broker had said, which one's paying higher commissions. Yeah. And I was just like, what do you mean? I didn't even think to, I, I just don't think like that. I couldn't believe someone had thought like that. Like you would steer a client subconsciously to a property just because of the higher compensation. And I mean, it was the difference between two and a half and three. We're not talking like one and a half and two and a half, you know, right, like right. I, I, even then I just, I don't even look at it. So I always knew how, and I didn't realize until recently, like until I'd say very recently that that mentality and that mindset of doing business get get you farther it gets you further along because your clients know that you're genuine they know that you care about them they know that you're putting their interests ahead of your own like down to your core every decision every conversation that you have is about them i had a, a client text me and the big thing right now is interest rates right, right. buyers are really concerned about what to do a lender had just sent a referral i was about to hand it off to one of my agents and I was prepping them, setting their mindset. And I was like, you know, we just want to confirm, are you, are you guys ready? And they're like, you know, we're kind of getting trigger shy. The interest rates are high, you know, prices are high in Hawaii. I think we want to wait. And I was like, okay, valid concerns, you know, tell me more, you right. know, why, why is that concerning for you? You know, my understanding is that they're not going to be here for three years. It is VA, but in Hawaii, they're not going to have to restation in three years. So this is a long-term means retired. And you know, what, what is it that you originally wanted it for? And if that reason makes sense, then, you know, I'll be honest. I'll be like, yeah, then you should probably wait. But if it doesn't make sense, I'll also be honest. Right. Yeah. Ooh, I lost your audio there a little bit. Somehow. Did you oh. go? Oh, there we go. I was like, oh, you moved. So here we go. What you say? So you were honest to that again, follow up with that. You were saying something. Oh. If they like, I'll be honest either way. And they feel that. And I'm genuinely asking them questions about their specific scenario. And then I'm digesting it and I'll think and I'll pause on it. And then I will, you know, bring up some other point. And, you know, you tend to be able to talk them back into their own path because by nature, we're cautious. Humans are cautious. You know, we want to proceed with the path of least resistance because, it's easier and with caution because we don't like struggle. We don't like to yeah. be in danger. So I think if you're just a sounding board and I've been able to do that with my agents as well. So when agents have a tough time through a tough market or through a tough mindset, I mean, how many of us go through our peaks and valleys? Like we have solid months and then we have weak months. How many of us are going through relationship issues? How many of us are going through, you know, losses and everything like that. And I found with my team and with my agents, I'm so invested in them and their success and making sure that they're happy and that we're focused on what their why is that mm -hmm. the culture between us is like a real family. If yeah. you ask any one of my agents, like if they ever needed anything from one another, they're there, they show up and they would do that for their clients, for everything. So that's why I kind of wanted to speak on culture a little bit. Yeah. I think in a doggy dog world of real estate, that's kind of where people put their mindset at. It's like more of like a, I don't know, dog, pet dog world. Yeah. <laughs> dog, pet dog world. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's not good. It's bleak regardless, but yeah. 
but you know, take care of each other, love on each mm -hmm. other and, yeah. you know, do that. And if you think that way all the time, if like everything. And so my other half, he was reading the Go-Giver series and he's like, this is how we do business. You've mm -hmm. got to read these books. And so I was reading the books and I was like, oh my gosh, this is how we do business. This is crazy. Like everyone should read these books, especially Go-Giver sells more, but you've got to read Go-Giver first. Yeah. Um, and you read all of those books and it's just, it solidified this theory, this phenomenon that I had thought of, like, if you just don't look out for your interests, look out for theirs, agents and clients alike, all, your business will flourish. It'll grow tenfold and you feel good. You sleep good at night. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, a bigger difference that is that you actually have a clear conscience by the way in which you produce your business and create the culture and your environment with your team, uh, honestly, with yourself. Um, it, like you said, it helps you settle better at night. And that's a good way to be versus stressed out constantly and always like charging something like charging forward and aggressively trying to compete. Right. Um, yeah. That's a, a whole other synergy energy that creates a whole nother level of different culture. Um, I want to step back real quick too, and just make sure I set the tone for everybody that's listening to this podcast to get a full sense of like who Ashley is, by the way. Um, she's not some run of the mill, just like some onesie twosie girl who throws a couple deals in and barely makes it through the year. Um, this is an individual who is a single mom who has an amazing, beautiful, young, intelligently talented daughter, Kiana. She's like the best in the world. Um, and she has purchased a home in Wahiwa and has rented out. So she's an investor. We, we can touch a little bit on that too, because you've really, really jumped into the investor relations piece, um, in your business. You own another home in Kailua. Which, if everybody understands in Hawaii, in geographical locations here, Kailua is probably the uppity of the uppity in Hawaii and Oahu. It really is. It's probably one of the nicest areas in Oahu, um, minus Hawaii, kind of a couple other places. But yeah, Kailua is it. So it, again, just I want you to see the caliber of individual we're talking to it here. Like she knows what this really means to create a culture. It's obviously created an amazing amount of success in her business and with herself internally. Um, so I just want to make sure I set the tone on that for those that are listening on a, on a, on a, on a hearing set of who she really is. But secondly, yes, maybe you can touch a little bit like people are like, okay, culture, that's awesome. If they're thinking in their head, culture, that's yeah. awesome. What does that even mean to me? Like, what does that mean to me? Uh, Ashley, yeah. you're, you're on this podcast. You're successful. You got two houses in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, two houses in Hawaii. Uh, most people struggle getting one and you know, you have two houses and you're very successful. What? What does that even mean to you? Like, if you were to define that to someone you're speaking with, what would that mean to you? How you could emulate that to somebody of what culture means to you? Um, well, I think that it's how I think that it's how abundant you give is how much abundance you'll get in return. And mm -hmm. I think making conscious decisions whenever you wake up in the morning, whenever you're talking to a client, whenever you're making a what you call like a sale instead yeah. of just it's retraining your your brain when you're talking to your agents if you're a team leader um it's just retraining yourself to think you know how how is this going to help them how is this going to elevate them for example um i kind of get caught up like okay i'm going to be hosting the seminar you know home okay well god i hope i i hope i'm feeling well i hope that i have enough energy i hope that i'm you know going to you know, present myself. Well, I hope I don't trip over my words. I hope that, and it's very, all of a sudden I catch myself thinking about me. 
Like, how am I going to perform? How am I feeling? How am I going to do? But instead, reposition myself into what are they feeling when they're sitting there? What are they going through? What are they wanting to get out of this? What kind of value can I provide them? And all of a sudden, all of the nerves go away. Because when I come in, when a listing appointment or a buyer consultation, or if I'm looking at a big you know, project or deal with somebody, or if I'm about to talk with new agents or speak in front of a large crowd, it eliminates so much anxiety and it eliminates so much angst if you're just really genuinely going through and you're you're thinking about how to serve them, how to make their lives better. And just, it's okay if the sale doesn't happen because something else is going to happen along the way. You're going to make their lives better. They're going to become raving fans, referrals, potentially something will come of it. It doesn't matter. Just do, do right. Okay. Let's say my niche has been investors for the past decade plus, you know, I've started pivoting towards luxury commercial recently, but for a while it was investors in VA, local families. And I had helped and realized that I was helping a lot of investors sell properties that other agents couldn't sell pre-COVID market. And like, I was going, how did you get into this deal? Like, I'm looking at the numbers. I do nothing but look at numbers all day long and evaluate different, you know, deal analysis. And I just don't see it. I don't see this resale number. I don't see the, what we call ARV. I was like, I don't see this ARV at all. I don't, who told you this was a good deal? Who told you this is your after repair value? And it was the realtor that helped them buy it. And I, so many times, and I was just like, gosh, that's not, that was best case scenario. If you put in your highest budget and then some, and you weren't next to this neighbor, you know, I just, I, they weren't thinking that realtor was thinking of the sale in the moment. They were thinking about themselves. They were thinking about getting the deal done. I don't, and and if they weren't, let's give them the betterment of the doubt. Say if they weren't, they just didn't, they didn't do enough due diligence or they didn't sharpen their skills enough. They didn't take their business serious enough to take the extra minute or time and get second opinions of someone who maybe was more experienced or maybe if they were uncertain. Um, I just firmly believe a lot of people just don't think of what is that going to do to the other person if they get into this deal. Mm -hmm. So whenever I do a deal analysis with my investors, and I look at anything, I'm very cautious because that's not my money. That's not right. my risk. I'm in a wonderful position being an investor agent. I get to get all of these learning lessons for free. I get to experience and I get so much opportunity by watching others do. The best and the most important thing I can do for them is, is provide caution and provide different scenarios and document it because there's so many moving compartments of what they need to juggle. They need to get financing. They need to get contractor bids. They need to also take down the deal. Plus they need to work on resources. So many other things that they have to do. Like they want to know they have an A team and an A team realtor is Mm -hmm. making sure that their interests are ahead of your own. So what are all the different scenarios you can think of and what's the most cautious route that they could take and should take. You can give them best case scenario as well, but also the worst. And I found that none of my investors had lost out on any money ever. We had always sold at or above what I had told them pre-COVID markets. And that was just a mindset of I thinking of the client first. And a lot of people do that. Don't get me wrong. They really do. Um, But for those who might, you know, they're going to be struggling right now with Mm -hmm. this market adjustment. You know, I call it a market opportunity. So yeah. if you are an investor, you work with investors, this is a great opportunity. 
if you're not, this is a time to maybe look into educating your clients or your sphere into becoming investors or become one yeah. yourself because everyone can become one. Um, yeah. To touch on, on mine, the going back to opportunities of working with those investors, like I never expected anything from them, but it organically those opportunities came because I always provided, you know, the best service. They always came to me for listings instead of me having to ask them for the listing. Right. A lot of those investors will give me the listing after they find the deal themselves. Mm -hmm. Even my investors who are licensed agents themselves um, or someone else found the deal because they see how much I pour into them and into the listing on the back end to make sure that they don't have to stress. Um, I have been able to be a private money lender, which wow. has been so great. You know, the investors yeah. that we work with here, um, a lot of them offer 12% returns. So that mm, that's pretty amazing. All right. Right. Good for you. Wow. If you have that's, some money and, right? and short term. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, this, and that's an amazing field that you've actually segued into that's doing very well. But I yeah. want to think one one core thing that keeps standing in my mind that I keep hearing you say, and and you're right, I will go back and as you as you said too, I'm sure everybody or most people are doing this too, right? There's a majority of people that are probably working from contribution. But the reality is this is about you and your story and how you've become extremely successful because of that is the demeanor and in which behavior you be, you do your business, right? So I, I will just say, number one, you coming from contribution um, from a servitude position as someone who always puts someone else before you, that obviously, as they say, you know, Zig Ziglar, the, the greatest quote in the world is to help the best way for you to become successful, right? Is to help other people get what they want to, right? To get what you want. And that's ultimately what's, what's working with you. And in, in turn, it's created an amazing cultural culture. That's our culture. I say that five times fast. Culture with yeah. you uh, that you've been able to integrate and infuse into your team and to be yeah. like-minded people. And now you have an entire environment of a culture that has created a lot of success in your team. Yeah, um, actually, I'll speak on that if you don't yeah, to, yeah. to tie that all in of how yeah. I, I built the team around that was yeah. I never I was that I was a lone wolf, right? I never wanted to to build a team. I never wanted to be a team leader. I never wanted to I never thought that I would be someone to lead others that that wasn't in my, you know, thought process per se. Right. I was like, why are people right. wanting to listen to me? <laughs> and, yeah. Um, I. I originally had built my team because I was working with my those investors. So how I became a dense listing agent, and, and that's how you really can elevate yourself too and your your business and your network and your you know niche is your being a listing agent because then you get your name plastered everywhere. That's where you get your marketing. Right. That's where you get your real exposure. And so when I worked with my investors for years, for half a decade, I just had my systems in place helping them get into safe deals. I didn't have the capital and the know-how to be the best one to honestly say, I'm the best person to sell your property for the highest dollar. So I didn't ask for that. And that's just my personality. I'm not saying others should not do that. It was just my personality. I was like, if I can't, if I'm not the best one for it, I don't feel like I've earned that. I don't feel like I deserve that. But right. when the time came, I was like, I... I have the capital. I'm pouring into your investment. I pay for staging. I pay for photography, videography. I pay for push ads and marketing. And 
I print champagne. Like I have certain things that I do for them. And I was like, I, I think I really earned this now. You know, I'd like the opportunity. Yeah. And from there I got it. And, mm. and then I was like, I can't sit this many open houses. Yeah. <laughs> I am only one person. And yeah. I could go out to my brokerage and say, Hey, any house sitters want to sit my open house. But, and then when they come, I'm like, can you bring an iPad? I want them to sign in this way. So we capture their information. Right. Can you right. please serve champagne and bring <laughs> cookies? And they're like, no lady. Like, ah. and I also want an eight foot flag out front and balloons on each open house sign. And they're like, no, I'm like, I'll pay yeah. for it. <laughs> um, so I was like, shoot, I got it. I think I need to build a team. Like I need, and I built the team to serve my sellers. It was right. never because I was like, Ooh, how much money can I get off these agents? Or I need to right. make more money off of them. Or I need to make more. It was like, Oh man, I need to serve my clients better. And the best way to do that is if I have well-trained agents who offer the same level of service that I do, so right. I can offer consistency and scale it. And so yeah. that's how my team had originally formed. And it, there was a lot of learning lessons. Don't get me wrong. Like I did not have systems in place. I definitely, I was, I fell forward so okay. hard. Yeah, that's um, But the open houses, you know, we, we got it done. And now we have, I have seven, there are seven agents total, three admin. And nice. A lot of them came in the last year or two and they crush it. In fact, I'd say almost our lead generating biggest lead generating platform is the open houses. I just yeah. in this last like week or two, I think every agent almost got open house leads and we pride ourselves on how we present that and represent our clients. So that's just another example in my business of how I was able to grow yeah. successful. These agents are so successful. You know, there was a mom of two kids and she now makes, you know, she's going to be surpassing six figures this year. I remember the first agent who told me like, I've hit six figures for the first time in her life as well. And it feels good. And now wow. all of a sudden I have this new purpose of man, like I love it. When they make a quarter million, what is that going to feel like? <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, great leadership creates other leaders, creates other leaders, creates other leaders, right? We heard that in Texas. Leaders, building leaders, building leaders. And that's what you're doing here. And you're doing it strictly through building an amazing culture and environment and a platform that honestly it kind of just exhumes great energy and that's what people love, right? It's that attraction. Um, so real quick here, I might just want to usually tap in the end. What, what is one thing I always like to do a call the action thing at these and maybe kind of for those that are listening on this podcast, maybe would like um, something they can maybe take away with here. Like maybe one little small nugget, something that's easy and digestible, something that they could maybe take away today and implement in their business tomorrow that might, I don't say it makes a difference tomorrow, but maybe it starts to create the momentum to make a difference. What's one thing we can say with your, you know, culture that you've designed and you've built that maybe we can leave with them today? Something that we can drop. Oh, yeah. I should have thought about that beforehand. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like, I'll drop it. Like, I always like <laughs> some call to action. You know, it doesn't have to be extensive either. I mean, obviously, you know, some kind of habit or, or, or something that you've done that repetitively over and over again have has created a, a new segue into something or another level of momentum here, um, you know, uh, that you maybe you could leave it. And I know that's kind of a very wide range thing to say to like culture. What was one nugget that we can do and drop that? Yeah. Right. Well, well, two things I think first is your attitude is contagious. So right. making sure that you wake up intentionally with the right mindset um, right. and go to bed with that as well. 
So create your AM and PM routines and make sure that there's intention behind there because people can feel that around you. And I was thinking, okay, what's the one thing at those open houses that are different now than when I was sitting? And I think it's energy, just, you know, making sure you protect your energy so you can pour those into the people around you. Um, And two, I would say practice what you practice, what you preach. Like if you really believe in real estate and homeownership, if you really believe in investing, you know, take the leap, start creating an action plan and do it. You know, it's it's something that helps you get into their their head as well, because when you're a buyer and you're a seller, you're able to just process and understand the emotions that they go through so you can empathize with them more too. people like that. Um, So if. If you start putting in action, say you're not in a position, you're like, yeah, I'm just starting. I have no money. I made like $8,000 like in my life. Um, I get it. Like that's, it's not for everyone right yet, but first it comes with an action plan. Right. And I remember to your point of when I had bought my first house, it was actually in Haleiwa, not Wahiwa. Oh, that's Wahiwa. And, the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wahiwa. Right. Yeah. Haleiwa. I forgot Haleiwa. And Haleiwa was my first house. I was renting and- mm-hmm. I had rescued dogs and I had too many dogs and I needed to find my own place because I needed to have some more control in that. And um, I, there was three houses on Oahu that were under 500,000. That wasn't the West side that had a yard that was not (laughs) a townhouse or, and I picked the one in Haleva because I'm, I was an ocean girl and I needed to be close to the water and it was rough. It was so rough. Um, I won't go down those details because that's a story in itself. But it was a great stepping stone because I wanted to have a space that the dogs could run around in. And so serving my dogs. Yeah, serving your dogs. (laughs) Here we go. The pet, the doctor, human, and then outer space. Here we go. It's all in the next levels. I adopted another dog in the process because the neighbor's dog climbed under the fence and I was working in my tiny 480 square foot house and I felt like someone was watching me and I turned around and I was like there was a random dog on my bed (laughs) oh jeez it was my neighbor's dog it climbed under the fence and my dogs didn't bark at him or nothing and uh anyways the that house you know I was like wow that was emotional that was hard like I have been in real estate for years and I've helped a lot of people and was like yeah I know it's tough but hang in there. And I got a USDA loan. I tried to get, I had saved enough for 5% down to conventional and it was a CPR. If you're not familiar with CPRs in Hawaii, they're condominium project regimes where single family houses or dwellings are condominiumized to make them more affordable. And I had bought a CPR that was an attached duplex. I bought one half and that CPR was wild west. Haleiwa was just so wild west. The condo docs there, the CPR docs are just they don't even make sense. Like they're recorded in the sixties or seventies. And like, there's so many things that didn't align. So the lender was like, we're not going to lend on that. No, you can't get this kind of loan. I ended up having to do a USDA, no money down loan because it was in a rural area, which ended up being cheaper monthly as well. So I love, I'm a firm believer in the USDA products, which are starting to come back. I've noticed this year. And when I did that, I lived in the house for two years. It had a rental in the back that I lived as a single person with my dogs and there was a rental in the back that I, I rented out for $1,400 a month. So I paid very little to, to live there and to be there. And after two years I had made $200,000 in equity and Mm -hmm. I ended up 
moving across the way and renovating the duplex across the way with um, the next chapter of my life when I had my daughter and I got pregnant with her and we renovated that property, which had two additional rentals on it as well. And then that property cash flowed over $3,000 a month plus the main house at that point. And from there, my neighbors were crazy, like legit crazy, clinically crazy. Two of them. I was sandwiched between them. And wow. I was like, I need to leave the, these people. I was like nesting hardcore. Like I had a baby and I was like, this is like too tight. We're too close in here. This is dangerous. <laughs> like, and I ended up having to move to Wahiwa, exit eight. Um, and I ended up, it was a bigger house. It was a four bedroom. That house also had a dilapidated studio on it, which, yeah. you know, Chris. I know. Yeah. Been there. I've been there. Yep. Awesome. And, um, when we got there, I had made that 200K from the first house and I invested 100K of that at, with private money at 12% returns. I had used the other 100K for other things to renovate the other house and the studios there ended up moving to that Wahiwa house, was able to buy that with 5% down conventional loan. Then I renovated mm -hmm. the back studio with that house. That house now rents for over $4,400 per month. It cash flows over $3,000 per month. And the other Haleiwa house that I did a second mortgage on, I pulled out over a quarter of a million dollars and bought a 48-foot catamaran in Waikiki and started a private sailing charter business in Waikiki, yeah. which yeah. someone else is running right now and has yeah. taken ownership of it at this point. Um, and then from there, the power of EXP is I lived very humbly, even though I was doing very well in real estate. I just continued to keep my head down and live in Wahiwa. It was cute. It was a charming house. It had old World War II shrapnel holes. Loved it. Um, and I didn't have any support. COVID happened. And my daughter was in private school. There's no community around us. I was by myself. I hired an au pair to help me because I couldn't do it alone. And I was like, I got to get out of here. There's like, we're going to legitimately go insane. And my daughter was swimming in a recycling bucket in the front yard. And I was like, okay, well, um, my other half's auntie wanted me to sell her house but she didn't want to sign in the ground and she didn't want open houses. She didn't want her neighbors to know. And I was like, Andy, we're in a strong market, but still like I can find you yeah. someone. And then I thought, what? I'll buy it. It's yeah. a beautiful house. It's on the canal. It's in, a, yeah. like you said, it's a great neighborhood. It's stable yeah. and it had a pool. And again, I always buy something that has a rental on it or something that I can easily convert into a rental. Even though I don't rent it while I'm living on the property and I don't bring in the cash flow when I'm there, when I move, I want to make sure that I have dual cash flow on it. So every house had a theme. It all had an Ohana or a rental on it. This yeah. one has a pool house with the main house and it is awesome. And I did that because when I moved to EXP and I saved my cap from KW at 43000 and I went down to uh, 18000 or 16000 rather. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, that money, that was a lot of money. And I think after I calculated all the fees and everything, it came out to like 24 plus thousand dollars, depending on how many transactions that I did that I would immediately save. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that could go to the boat business because I just started it. Or that could go to hiring my my own VA and have my first assistant. And so I hired them and I, I hired my first assistant. And that year, I doubled my production when I did that. And I felt comfortable fast forwarding three years at EXP 
buying this house because one, I had taken all those opportunities from the people I'd met and I had invested all of my capital. And as I made 50,000, 100,000, I would save it and I would go invest that with the investors at 12%. And, and then at EXP, the stocks went up like crazy. And I had over, at one point, I had over $800,000 in stocks. Yeah. My biggest advice is learn how to pull out your stocks because I didn't know how. <laughs> building my team and it went down, but oh. I still had over three hundred thousand. And I was like, okay, between all these different cups, I felt, and plus my income, I felt more than comfortable taking this sleep. And my life, my daughter's life, has yeah. just surpassed. So we'll have to That's have awesome. you here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I appreciate all this. This is great energy and it's great information. Your culture is, again, amazing. I think just in, in hindsight, too, in reality, if we look at this from a different perspective, culture, even within Hawaii, is different, too, right? Everywhere differently has different culture. And Hawaii is probably renownedly known for having its most amazing culture, right? And that culture is some we call the ohana, right? The love, the spirit, the energy you feel there of family. Um, wherever you go, it's just a great, like, Care Bear dolls. As Joe Coy said, we're a bunch of Care Bear dolls. Walk around, you punch your heart, like, ooh, you show love. And that's kind of <laughs> like Hawaii, right? It's a culture. But the reality is it's kind of infused in you. I think you've been able to emulate it extensively in your business, with your team, building your business, at which is segued into so many different legs. Your 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 investor piece is huge. Thanks for touching on that, too. Um, your ability to have anything. And honestly, at the end of these, you'd like to touch a little bit about, you know, you coming to DXP, but you did spill on that too, which was great. Thanks for sharing some of that stuff too, because we do see some of the great benefits that you've been able to have being here at DXP with us here within our family and part of Team Freedom. We're extremely blessed to have you yeah. part of our team, Ashley. We're grateful to have your culture. We're grateful to have your talent um, and your energy here. It's flowing. Everybody that meets you loves you because you are a Care Bear. I'll call you a Care Bear too. Um, but yeah. This I want to end with that, you know, and if you have anything you want to maybe add just real quick, but kind of want to end this up really quick here. But um, anything you want to jump on and throw in real quick here and say on that? No, no. Okay. Just thank well, you. I, thank you. Everyone yeah, yeah. at oh. EXP that I have met in Team Freedom has yeah. been the most abundant people I've ever come across. And they've said that at other places I've been at, but truly and wholeheartedly, it is such a blessing to be surrounded yeah. by talent and by so much love and information it's insane thank you yeah. i appreciate absolutely you, absolutely appreciate you thank you so much for joining us today taking a little bit of time out of your day i know you're busy schedule to jump on this podcast with our episode number four and uh get your finger up what do you got because i did i i really like and i wanted to touch on it a little bit more too but my agents the mm -hmm. the team that i've built also like in it in lieu of the exp they are everything like I can't do it without them anymore. So when I realized when I had built that and I had surrounded myself, I now realize that when I'm surrounded by people like this. So if you're thinking about building a team, if you're thinking about partnering with someone, it's a lonely road. Do it. Go for it. Because my team is my family and I care about them more than I care about myself. And that is probably my third piece of big advice. Make sure that you surround yourself with people who motivate you and who you love. I love it. Proximity truly is power. That's a true statement. And you're living and experiencing it full heartedly. So awesome. What better way to end this then on that note? Um, again, graciously humbled. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. And again, sharing with us on episode number four, um, part of the Real Talk with Chris podcast show. Um, look forward to everybody episode number five next week. Got a new guest, excited. And until then, everybody have an amazing week. 
and be fruitful. See you later. Aloha. Thanks again. Aloha.